Hey, welcome back here to the Sports Syndicate, and we're going to continue on with some college football. Uh, again, getting started this week. Definitely looking forward to it. I think this is honestly going to be one of the better college football seasons. We're going to see the death of the BCS this uh, this year also as college football is uh, eventually moving over to the playoff system. Uh, something I'm not totally thrilled about, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to cry about that anymore. Another place, another time. Um, but as we have traveled around the country, we've had on uh, various uh, media personalities, very uh, various uh Reporters that cover a particular team, Notre Dame. We've had a bunch of NFL guys. And tonight we wanted to move over to the Big 12 because I, I haven't had a chance to talk to anyone from the Big 12. So we have asked on tonight, and he kindly accepted to come on tonight. We have on Matt Hofill from Crimson and Cream. So we talk a little bit of Oklahoma football tonight. How you doing, Matt? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, sure, sure. And, of course, I want to get started with the uh, quarterback situation and what was the reasoning behind Stoops choosing Trevor Knight over uh, Blake Bell? Well, that's obviously the story in the Big 12 Conference right now, and it was a shock to everybody. Um, I mean, just about everyone expected this to be Blake Bell's job, and the news came out the first day of camp that one of the guys that was pushing Bell uh, is Kendall Thompson, who's a, a redshirt sophomore. He injured his foot the first day of camp. And so we just all just kind of said, well, now it's Bell's job. And even though Trevor Knight has a good flip side, a good upside to him, he still needs a couple more years to mature, to get ready for the college game after being a star in high school uh, in the San Antonio area. But it's just, uh, as, as the camp progressed, it was a situation where Trevor Knight made play after play after play that just kind of left people with their mouths open. One of the defenders said, you know, a guy this young shouldn't be able to do these types of things. Uh, that he's already doing, and when you've got one guy who's obviously making, you know, head-turning plays on a regular basis, as opposed to Blake Bell, who has been honestly kind of the star. It's one of those the backup quarterbacks, the most popular guy on the team type situations. He came in as a freshman and a sophomore, and really kind of saved Oklahoma with the belldozer package by being able to pick up those tough uh, yards on third and short or fourth and goal or whatever. Uh, you'll remember Blake Bell's the first guy to score a rushing touchdown against Notre Dame last yeah. season. And so this guy was already a folk hero, but at the end of the day, he was more hesitant and just not able to make those those big-time plays down the field that Oklahoma needs from their quarterback. And you got Trevor Knight, who's just described as overall a better athlete and a better quarterback. So it's just a situation where it's not really a knock against Blake Bell, but it's really more of an indicator that Trevor Knight just flat-out beat him in, in camp. Are we going to still see uh, Bell's uh, goal line and short yardage package, or are, are we going to see Stoops kind of get away from that? No, Bob Stoops said in his uh, weekly press conference just this week that they're going to keep that play, uh, that, that whole package as part of their playbook. He expects uh, Bell to continue to work as if he's still competing for the starting job. And I would, be, um, I, I would say that I would be shocked if he don't see the Belldozer package at all this season. I don't know if they'll use it as much as they have, uh, in in past seasons, just because Trevor Knight's more of an athletic guy than than Landry Jones was, and so doing some zone read type option things, they're going to be able to pick up some yards with the quarterback that they wouldn't have been able to with Landry Jones. But I certainly wouldn't uh, would not say that at this point they're going to shelf the whole Blake Bell package either. Well, the Sooners were kind of middle of the pack in the Big Twelve last year as far as in rushing offense. Do you see an improvement over last season? I mean, I know they have two good backs. Uh, but the offensive line has 
a lot of questions. Do you see them improving that running game this year and opening the holes that these backs really need to get going? I really think that they have to uh, by default, if nothing else, which I know that's a generic answer, but you've got four returning starters along the offensive line. This is a team that progressively got better running the football as the season went on. You've got Damian Williams, who is one of the most electrifying backs as far as breaking that home run threat. Uh, a lot of people saw his 95-yard touchdown run against Texas uh, in the Red River rivalry there at the Cotton Bowl, which is a record for that its longest touchdown run in the history of that rivalry. And then you've got Brennan Clay, who won the Bedlam game against Oklahoma State with a powerful kind of a tough run where he goes through a couple of defenders to work his way into the end zone. So it's a rushing attack that got better as the season went on. And so they've got that going with the two senior backs. You've got four returning offensive linemen. And then with this new, you know, no one really knows what the offense is going to look like until Saturday night when we see it on the field. But with the words that are coming out with um, this team running a zone read and, and really kind of put some of these guys in motion, the zone read is really good for not only for running uh, the football, but it's also good for bringing something else into the game, which is the tight end package that Oklahoma has really gotten away from since Jermaine Gresham missed the 2009 season. So a lot of new things, but I really think if this, if this offense is going to work the way they want it to work, they have to be able to run the football. And it appears as if there's been more of a priority put that way uh, in camp. However, the other, the other issue is going to be play calling. You know, you've got an offensive coordinator who makes no bones about it, that he, he doesn't mind calling 40 or 50 passing plays per game. And Oklahoma's going to have to commit to running the football from right there from the very get-go in the play calling. We're speaking uh, with Matt Hofield here from Crimson and Cream covering Oklahoma football. And, and now that you've talked about that passing game, that's why I wanted to get into, you know, with the departure of Stills and Brown, um, who do you see as being the primary receiver and can an offense that – pass offense, which was pretty good in the Big 12 last year, will they take a step back due to ineffectiveness? I know you say they want to run the ball more or kind of commit to the run, or do you see them being able to continue being a first-class Big 12 pass offense? Well, that's just the nature of the base in the Big 12. You kind of reload offensively when it comes to your passing attack. It, you know, I guess it'd be kind of silly to say that you wouldn't expect them to take a step back initially after losing two guys who were critical uh, to this uh, to this offense, you got Kenny Stills making plays in New Orleans now. A guy that a lot of people said maybe he made a mistake coming out early, and and Justin Brown, I really believe, kind of was the the savior of this offense last season, being that go to guy, the durable, you know, over the middle type guy, bigger receiver. But you've got also a guy returning in Jalen Saunders, who was explosive last year with the football, and really made a lot of things happen. You've got a guy named Jazz Reynolds who set out last year with a, a suspension. But in 2011, he was he made some electrifying catches. And then they, they played some of the younger guys last year. And so you're going to see a guy like Sterling Shepard step in, already have an experience. So they, they've got an experienced group of receivers coming back. To me, the, the bigger question mark in this passing offense is going to be Trevor Knight more than it is the receivers. I think the receivers are there. They're young. They're, they're experienced, though, and they're very fast. So they're going to make some electrifying plays if Trevor and I can get the ball in their hands. What we've not seen, and the big question mark with this offense, is we've not seen Trevor Knight in a game-like situation progress through his reads, make a smart decision with the football, and that's really the, the unknown factor, and, and we won't know that until Louisiana Monroe comes to town Saturday evening. But on the other side of the ball, uh, Oklahoma only returns four starters from last year's defense, and I did see um, 
on your site that um, that the Sooners will be looking at using multiple defenses. Um, do you think this will help out the pass rush that was rather mediocre last year? Well, they've got to do something there. The, the defensive line and the linebackers, the entire front seven the last couple of seasons has really been um, subpar to be nice. And so they've got, to, they've got to change some scheme things, but they've also got to change some personnel issues. There, there's some younger guys that are stepping in here that are exciting, you know, Jordan Wade Jordan, and Jordan Phillips, the two Jordans at the defensive tackle uh, position. They also have a Juco transfer who came in, and it, it, I think it's the very first time since Bob Stoops has been the head coach at Oklahoma that a guy comes to camp late, but he's going to end up starting on Saturday night. It's Quincy Russell there at the defensive tackle position. So that right there is a rejuvenation of the defensive line. But bottom line is the, the main issue – has been the play of the linebackers and the way they've schemed them into a gap assignment that doesn't really allow them to get in the backfield and doesn't allow them to pursue to make those disruptive plays. The thought is that they're going to change away from that, and 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 hopefully they will. I mean, I don't know. You just got to kind of wait and see again. It's one that it's been so secretive. No one's allowed into camp. No one's wow. allowed to get film of what's going on. So everything's a bit of a mystery. But we've heard everything from a three three five to a five two four. Uh, you know, to, to the old standard 4-3 defense. We don't know what Oklahoma is going to come out with, but the, the big thing is they their last two seasons, the leading tacklers have been guys in the secondary, and one of those guys, Tony Jefferson, is now playing for the Arizona Cardinals. So they've got a lot to replace on the defense, and, and I think it just screams that this is the time. If you're going to go through a scheme change, this is the time to do it when you're bringing in a lot of new guys uh, to make their first start. Now, I know there's a couple of suspensions there on defense, uh, Cortez Johnson and Chuka Ndulu. Uh, are those two guys where you just think this is just going to be your one-game suspension and we'll never hear about it again? Or are those two guys that could potentially be suspended more through the season or be a problem? No, it's a one-game suspension, according to Bob Stoops. Uh, they, they'll, they'll set this uh, Saturday out, and then they'll be back the following week for West Virginia. And the, the thing that about this suspension is, uh, you know, a lot of people on the outside look, well, it's Louisiana Monroe, and he, he suspended them against Louisiana Monroe. But if you look at the track record that the Warhawks had last year, I mean, this yep. is a team that went to Arkansas and won on the road the first game of the season. They, they pushed out Auburn to the brink, and they're bringing in a very experienced offense. They, they returned more starters total than just about any team in, you know, in FBS football. And so you're, you're losing Chuka and you're losing – uh, Cortez Johnson, and both of these guys are slated to be starters, so it's, it's definitely a sacrifice that Stoops is making by suspending these guys, but I would fully expect them to be back the following week against West Virginia. Uh, how much are we going to see, and I, I apologize if I butcher his first name, but how much are we going to see Hatari Bird this season? You know, the, he's one of the guys that they've been raving about uh, coming out of camp, and the, the thing about him is finding a spot for him and getting him uh, you know, he, he's one of those hybrid-type guys that he's a little bit bigger than your your average defensive back, mm -hmm. but not really as big as a linebacker needs to be. And so they've got him kind of floating around in the free safety position. Um, I, I think we'll see quite a bit of him, particularly if these new guys, you know, should they stumble. Gabe Lynn is a guy that uh, is right now played the start at free safety. He's been all around the secondary. He's been a cornerback. He's been a strong safety. He's been a free safety. 
He's a guy that also sometimes loses himself in coverage and doesn't know which way to go. Should he struggle, it just opens up the door for Hatari Bird to get on the field even quicker uh, than he normally would. But bottom line is Gabe Lynn is a senior, so they're going to have to have somebody ready to go next fall. And I think that's where Hatari Bird comes into play. So I would expect to see him not in a starting role, but definitely see him in the rotation in that defensive secondary quite often throughout the season. Okay, yeah, I want to keep my eye on him. Uh, he comes in with just a lot of excitement and a, and a lot of praise right. coming in, so definitely. And, and when you look at Oklahoma's schedule, uh, where do you think they're going to finish there in the Big 12? And in the big picture, where where do you think they're going to finish? Well, it's, it's the lowest that they've been ranked in the preseason since 2000 season. And, of course, we all know Oklahoma won the, won the national championship that year. Uh, I think – You'd have to be the you know the super fan with the cape and everything to expect that at this point. There's just so many question marks, and and I don't, I think that they're probably um, they're probably ranked about where they need to be at 16. The Big 12 is going to come down, in my opinion, to really a three-team race between Oklahoma State, TCU, and Oklahoma. I know everyone's giving Texas a lot of love, but they they've got more to prove than probably anybody else in the conference that that they that they deserve the preseason hype that they're getting. And and the bottom line is this: the whole schedule sets up for Oklahoma State very well. The Sooners have to go there to Stillwater to end the season, and that game may very well determine the Big 12 championship. But I would say I would say a 10-2 and two season, 9-3 and three is probably a realistic expectation, and anything beyond that is, is just going to be gravy. I, I have to ask you about one specific game. How do you think they'll fare against uh, Notre Dame when they go to South Bend? Uh, this year, I know there was a very disappointing game last year at home with the loss to Notre Dame. They really didn't perform well. Uh, when you see Oklahoma matching up against Notre Dame this year, especially with Notre Dame's suspension at quarterback uh, and that being Oklahoma's first road game, how do you expect for them to perform? Well, Oklahoma kind of got a gift with the uh, with Everett Golson being uh, suspended from the team. But Notre Dame's a good football team, and they kind of came out of nowhere. You got to respect what Kelly's doing there. and. Um, you know, that's going to be a tough game. The thing about it is, is you're going back to a redshirt freshman as a starting quarterback. And as good as Sam Bradford was for the University of Oklahoma in 2007 as a redshirt freshman, he was average at best on the road. And a lot of times he struggled, and Oklahoma's offense struggled subsequently. It's really going to depend on how much momentum that these that this, this offense can build over the first couple of games of the season, how comfortable Trevor Knight can, can get. And really, Notre Dame, I mean, they, they've lost a lot on the defensive yeah. side of the ball as well. And it's, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting matchup with both teams having a lot to prove going into the season. But if you, if you put a truth serum in me right now and made me pick, I'd, I'd have to pick the Irish to come out on top of that game by probably about a touchdown. But it's still way early, and a lot of things could change starting this Saturday night. No doubt about it. Well, I'm, I'm happy uh, college football is back. I know you're happy that college football is back. I appreciate you joining us tonight, Matt. And as always, with all our guests, we always ask, please let our listeners know where they can find you, whether in print, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever you got. Well, you can read us every day, uh, crimsonandcrimmachine.com. We're part of the SB Nation network of, of sports blogs. Uh, we cover the entire Big 12, as well as most of the nation uh, in college football, crimsonandcrimmachine.com. You can link to other websites, other blogs that maybe cover your team from us. You can also catch us at Twitter. It's just CC Machine, at CC Machine on Twitter. 
and I'd uh, love to pick up any new followers and always open to answering questions that you guys may have. And, and thanks for more time for letting me come on with you tonight. No problem, Matt. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Take care. Take care. That was Matt Hofield there from Crimson and Cream Machine uh, covering Oklahoma football. Again,